you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija i nizinite gregi. For about 48 hours, and in the words of Vomorod Dopamene leader Hristian Miskoski, Macedonia was a circus, but the price of the tickets paid by Macedonians is just too high, he said. It's an apt metaphor. Sasha Mialkov, the Eminence Greece, I hope I said that right in the French, of Macedonia and former chief of the secret police, quote, escaped, unquote, as authorities were about to order his arrest on Sunday. A scandal erupted. Zoranzai, the putative prime minister, blamed no one. Stevo Pendorovsky, Macedonia's president, expressed his displeasure, pointing to Macedonia's already dismal ranking on corruption and general confusion, mayhem, and hilarity ensued. And then on Tuesday, Mialkov casually turned himself in, claiming that he had COVID-19 symptoms and had no idea what the brouhaha was all about. Meanwhile, the smell, el the small, <laughs> could be smell, the small LDP party announced that it is withdrawing its two members from the government coalition and parliament, but will continue for the time being to support Zayev and his government, which together with all other coalition partners, have just 62 members in the 120-seat unicameral legislature, meaning that it is practically a house of cards. Several other coalition partners have expressed unease with many of the government's positions. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Tvitin Shalimanov calling in from Skopje, the Banana Republic of Macedonia. <laughs> I don't know why I had such a hard time getting through that monologue. That's part of the brilliance of podcasts is that they're, you know... They're a bit rough around the edges, uh, and I am uh, I, I am on my second cup of coffee. Everything is falling apart at the seams or the edges here, so you, you know you. The center, uh, yes, uh, it's Yates. You know, the second coming, the center cannot hold. Mm. Um, anyway, really, this is what's that? Yeah, we're really over the horizon here. Yeah, as this is episode one hundred and three <laughs> of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. We're recording this. We, we meant to record this on Tuesday of this week after Mialkov turned himself in. Uh, now we're recording on Thursday. This will drop tomorrow morning, probably Friday, which is... We decided to wait a little longer so maybe he escapes again. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So this will drop on Friday, but that's the day he's going to be sentenced. So we might have to come back and do another podcast right away. But uh, <laughs> in the meantime, I think we've got a, a lot to talk about here with the Banana Republic, or as uh, Christian Miskowski said, the circus... Mm. Uh, that is Macedonia these days. And it's just kind of, you know, even by, you know, my own standards of having watched and, and been involved in Macedonia now for 25 years and, and seen, you know, and, and lived what's going on there, this one kind of really takes the, you know, takes the cake, so to speak. Mm. And uh, yeah. uh, it's, I mean, everybody is laughing at the government yeah. of Zoran Zaev. Um, including the colorful opposition, mm. uh, the colorful uh, revolutionaries, sorry, the opposition, the, the I'm, I, I can imagine, I'd love to know what the, um, what the um, uh, foreign diplomats are saying behind uh, closed doors. Um, but let's, let's break this down. So again, Sasha Mialkov, the eminence Greece, 
uh, Gray Eminence in English mm. of Macedonia, uh, former secret chief, secret police chief, uh, and has been working with Zoran Zaev, a cousin of uh, Nikola Gurevsky, the former prime minister. Uh, just a really bad dude, I think, uh, trying to split Bumro, etc. Supposed to be sentenced this week, going to be sentenced tomorrow, and he escaped for escaped. I'm using air quotes for 48 hours. Yeah. Why don't, uh, can you can you what bring us up to date on that? Yeah, he's about to be sentenced uh, in the wiretapping scandal, which is the biggest, the most important case of the 2015 colored revolution protest. So Mialkov was accused of uh, abusing the Ubaka secret police service, which is the biggest secret service. We have the heir to the communist police, to the communist Tudba, and very lightly reformed, unfortunately, and, and the cause of many of our problems in the country. Uh, so Mialkov was nominally running it, but in reality there were leftover elements from uh, 50 years of, uh, you know, having a, a communist police service uh, in the country who were uh, wiretapping uh, Mialkov claims without his knowledge. Uh, uh, who knows, honestly? Uh, and so this was the big scandal. This was what the, all the diplomats here, all the foreign press were talking about, that uh, the Grievsky-Mialkov regime were wiretapping the poor civil society, the poor opposition like Zaev, the uh, poor journalists and businessmen, and they were so horrible. Uh, but the tapes somehow ended up with Zoran Zaev, uh, who, uh, who was leaking them selectively and uh, in edited fashion in 2015. And somehow it turned out that all the tapes were recordings of Gurevsky or Mialkov or the interior minister Yankulovska or Vomero people in principle. So. You know, the story was uh, that Mialkov was so stupid, he was, he ordered the technicians to wiretap themselves. He, he, he wiretapped himself, he, yeah. he wiretapped his cousin, the prime minister, mm -hmm. and everybody else. And then he gave the tapes to Zaev or, you know, left it in the hands of uh, uh, these uh, rough, uh, you know, um, really cynical, horrible, uh, communist era leftover secret service people who were so shocked by the by Mialkov's wiretapping that they uh, had no choice but to bring the tapes to Zaev to save the country from the abuses. I mean, this was the official narrative that right. these uh, grizzled uh, intelligence people were uh, shocked by what was going on and they went to Zaev to save the country. This is what the diplomats were t selling us and telling us here. And, you know, we all laughed, uh, you know, most of us laughed since the start of the story, but uh, okay. In reality, very likely that the wiretapping was done outside of the country, at least much of it, and um, and then the international, the diplomats here gave the green light to Zaev uh, to use them to bring down Grievsky, change the name of the country, and bring us into NATO. So uh, Mialko faces sentencing, um, as you said in the monologue or before or after that, he was very useful to Zaev uh, since 2017. So he provided uh, the nine Vimera votes to change the name of the country. Um, at least, you know, at least half of them were directly, uh, uh, you know, had their arms twisted by Mialkov. The rest were pressured by Zaev and Mialkov together. And after the name was changed, so he did, you know, he was in, uh, allegedly in many businesses with uh, uh, Zaev's brother, Vitsa Zaev. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he started using his remaining connections in Vimera. He was expelled from Vimera after helping Zaev change the name of the country. 
but he started using his remaining connections in the party. These are mainly uh, former mayors. So, you know, this fits in the narrative of him having numerous businesses across the country, um, many of them real estate development. So it's notable that uh, former mayors who had a lot of construction, like uh, Aerodrome, where I live in Skopje, which is a huge construction zone. The former mayor of Aerodrome is now one of the main confidants of uh, Mialkov. And they're trying to create a faction in Vemera, and they're attacking Mitskovsky, the current leader of the party, and they're accusing him of... Uh, you know, not being tough enough on uh, Zaev, uh, which is ridiculous because this group helped Zaev get the votes for the name change. So now they're attacking Mitskovsky from the right. Mm -hmm. And it works. With some people it works, you know, with uh, what uh, Rush Limbaugh called low information voters. It's, uh, you know, it's a good <laughs> enough be upon thing. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, with some people it works, it's estimated that he can steal like 10, 20,000 votes from the party and some officials. He's been a nuisance for the new leadership of Vimera, not something that could break the party, but Zayev is trying through Mialkov to weaken the party. And because of these good services, business ties, weakening the opposition, providing the votes for the name change, Mialkov has been spared, even though he's charged in like, I don't know, maybe a dozen cases. Zayev would accuse him of murders, of, uh, you know, the Smilkovsko massacre, which is incidentally, uh, tomorrow is Mialkov's sentencing in a huge protest by the Albanians over the Smilkovsko League, the Good Friday massacre. So, so basically you're saying stay be... home. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he has not been charged, even, even most ludicrously, he's not charged even in the storming of the parliament. Hmm. You know, everybody in Vemer is charged with this. Right. But, Mial, you know, you would think if there is a major security operation in the country Vimer, organized by Vimera, that Mialko would be the first person to do this mm -hmm. and to know about it. Everybody is charged except for him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this, this all clearly told everybody in the know that uh, there is a deal between Zayev and Mialkov. And uh, this brings us to Sunday. Um, apparently, the prosecutors demand 13 years sentence for the wiretapping case. There was rumors before that Mialkov is negotiating a three-year sentence uh, or anything up to five, in which case he can postpone going actually to prison until the appeal. This would buy him like six months, maybe more. On appeal, he can overturn it. He can drag it out even more, have more time to flee the country more leisurely. So <laughs> on Sunday, the prosecutors apparently demanded house arrest for him. And until now, he was free to walk the city, to operate from uh, the Marriott Hotel, which he practically owns, mm -hmm. which is the base of operations for him. But uh, as, you know, an order for house arrest was given, he was seen in the Marriott until lunchtime, and then he, with this Ivica Konevsky, this mayor of Aerodrome, mm -hmm. former guy, and when, uh, after lunchtime, he disappeared and apparently fled to Serbia, and the whole hell broke loose for two days until he returned to Skopje under apparently international pressure. Hmm. Incredible. That is just an incredible story. And, of course, it doesn't make sense on many different points. I mean, if he was, you know, sick with COVID, as he said, uh, or, or thought he had COVID symptoms, uh, mm -hmm. which would, yeah. would be a very high temperature, and then the next day 
he's he's waltzing in without a jacket <laughs> in very cold weather into the uh, into the police station. Uh, that makes no sense. Plus, I, I heard they already had COVID way back in the fall, so uh, so that doesn't hold up. Um, you know, they're, the police were interrogating everybody around him, including family mm. members, and they didn't know that he was sleeping peacefully in his in his bedroom or somewhere, you know, in his house, his mansion. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it doesn't take much uh, knowledge to, to, you know, to realize that this is either a setup or, I mean, it's an orchestrated setup on behalf of the government and Mialcal mm, no. or, or something. But it's uh, it. But at the end of the day, it is what we said it was, uh, or what Christian Miskowski said, a, a circus. It's a farce. Uh, it's a banana mm. republic, as you said. Uh, and it just really, you know, blows everything else out of the water that I've seen in quite some time. I'd have to sit back and think about over 25 years if there have been bigger farces. Uh, there's been bigger events, but farces... Uh, mm. You know, this is this is that. Uh, now, all of this, of course, has uh, implications for the government of Zoran Zaev, um, which has been shaky. Well, it's been shaky since the beginning because it was practically, I mean, essentially, it was illegitimate to begin with, uh, and there wasn't a lot of faith in the government to begin with, um, or the or the institutions of the government. Um, but this puts a lot more pressure on the government from uh, because so Sudasim. Uh, and I think we'll have to talk next week about the M part of Citizen, uh, since uh, they want—they're uh, not registering organizations with the name Macedonia in them anymore. So we'll have to talk about that in, in the next podcast. Uh, so Citizen uh, is is uh, has a, a number of other parties, smaller parties in it uh, mm. that are coalition, quote unquote, coalition partners, of, and Bessa, of course, the uh, small uh, ethnic Albanian party. But but two of those, well, three of those, uh, LDP. Uh, uh, DOM and um, uh, DS uh, mm. provide, let's see, one to what, four members, five members, I think, of the coalition? Uh, LDP two, DOM two, uh, DS one, five. Okay, so five, yeah. So now. And BESA four. And BESA four, right. But, but LDP and DS have said that they are going to withdraw their members from the coalition. They're still going to support the government, but mm. they're going to withdraw from the coalition in parliament um yeah the group in parliament the group in parliament right yeah so and again there's 120 seats in the unicameral legislature so you need 61 to get anything through uh aside from you know the super majorities uh, like changing the constitution as we saw mm. uh but if 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 the ldp and ds were to vote against the government obviously it would fall that's three that would bring them down to 59 yeah. so bessa of course is another so all of this that we just talked about with Mialkov really we, we thought, a lot of people thought that that, you know, if he actually had escaped, uh, left the country, uh, then that would have brought down the government. Now that he is yeah. casually waltzed into the, uh, the police station and turned himself in, quote unquote, uh, we're not so sure about that, but we'll have to see with the sentencing tomorrow. But bottom line is that, you know, the government is increasingly uh, on, uh, on uh, you know, to use a tired old phrase, on thin ice. Uh mm. What what else do we know about that situation? Yeah, this really would have been too much after Gruevsky was allowed practically to leave the country uh, in uh, 2019. Uh, and you know, he in his to his credit, he hasn't uh, made any deals at least overtly with Zayev. He did not support the name change. Uh, he criticized it uh, 
uh, although he did call the people, you know, he, he, he didn't directly call the people, it was his preference, uh, it was clear, clear his preference that we vote against the name change at the referendum, which would have provided the turnout, but he didn't even call for this openly. So, you know, he was very, you know, he just left and uh, washed his hands of the whole thing. Uh, while, uh, but you know, it's still too much if you lose, if you have Gruevsky flee the country and then Mialkov. <laughs> you know, there was mm. a meme uh, because I have said that once he's in power, that he's going to start seizing money from people like Mialkov. And he said, I'm going to put like an electronic sign on the Macedonia gate, the triumphant gate he was targeting with photo, with paintballs during the, the protests. It's on the, and I'm gonna it's just put, kind of off the Plostad there in Skopje. Yeah. He said, I'm going to put an electronic scoreboard and it's going to say how much money I confiscated so far from the criminals of the Gruevsky Mialkov regime. <laughs> and of course, he didn't do this because, you know, either the oligarchs work, work for him now or they're being extorted out of their money, but not into the state coffers, but sure. directly into Zayev's coffers, like we saw with Katica Yanova, his prosecutor and the racket scandal. So there was a meme with an electronic sign on the gate saying uh, the cousins. Gruevsky mm-hmm. and Mialkov, two, Zaev zero. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> both of them fled. So this really would have been too much. And yeah, co- smaller coalition partners began to express their outrage. And these are people who were part of Gruevsky's coalition for a while. Mm-hmm. So Pavle Trajanov, the former interior minister, former police chief, etc. Uh, Lila Popovska, who is this environmentalist party, but uh, she's the uh, the adopted daughter of uh, Blaze Ristevsky, the old time, you know, uh, very important historian and mm. uh, Macedonian, you know, one of the patriotic, uh, you know, luminaries of more recently. And so, you know, for Lila, it's a big deal, big problem to be in a coalition with Zayev, as Zayev is giving away on basic tenets of Macedonian patriotism. She's not in parliament herself. She was too unpalatable for SDSM, but two members from her party are in. To what extent she can get them to leave, to vote against Zaf is not clear. But they're leave, they're talking about leaving the the, the group of uh, the party group. Hmm. Uh, Trajanov uh, recovered. Uh, LDP they have two seats in parliament and one seat in the government. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have always been. They, they once was were like a proper party, like a serious. Party and they still suffer from this complex that if they are a coalition partner, a minor partner, they at least need to have some influence on decision making. Uh, so, Besar for the Albanian party, they started protesting Mialkov's escape immediately. Uh, there are two members of parliament from Dui who are openly hostile to uh, the Dui party in general. So, this all brings us to 11 people. And uh, the opposition does not need all of them to turn against Zayev. Just maybe half of them would be more than enough. Uh, and they're all now looking, if they see that uh, Zayev gets himself into a really untenable situation, like the escape of Mialkov would have been, uh, at the same time they're conducting negotiations with Vimero. What would Vimero offer them in exchange if they leave the coalition? So... For example, in the case of Besa, it's obvious it could join the other Albanian parties, the Alliance and uh, um, Alternative. Alternative. Mm-hmm. And they could split the huge spoils of the government which are given to Dui mm-hmm. if they can 
form a call if if they can form a coalition with Vimmer or without Dewey, that means like hundreds of public sector jobs, uh, procurement contracts, serious government departments. Uh, you know, it's more than enough for all the Albanian parties to divide between themselves. Uh, Dom, this as I said, they were in coalition with Vimmer for a very long time, and they, uh, you know, they were key in bringing Gruevski down. When they sensed and the internationals started putting pressure on Gruevski, they were the first to leave the coalition. And now they could play the same role for, in the case of Zaev, while, you know, leveraging the situation to their financial benefit, maximum benefit. So, you know, he's really on thin ice, but, you know, with the, with the and, and it looked very dire for Zaev on uh, Tuesday, especially as, you know, he's coming out of a courthouse, one of the, one of the trials against Vimera people, he's like a witness or something, and uh, the press was openly hostile to him on Monday. They said like, okay, you're not resigning, nobody's resigning, like for real. Hmm. Uh, the prosecutor, uh, Ruskovska, was out and they were asking her, can you explain what's happening? And she said, well, I explain, but you know, can you explain what's happening so that it makes sense, so that it's logical. <laughs> and she says, I said, do you want me to repeat what I said? And the press is laughing like, okay, this is, this is a joke. Oliver Spasovsky comes out, the interior minister. Right. So everybody focused like, okay, if we can bring Zayev down, give this, give this sacrifice. Have Spasovsky resign for losing two, both cousins. <laughs> uh, and he holds a press conference on Tuesday and he refuses to, re to resign. And at that moment, you know, it looked like Zaev is finished. The U.S. ambassador was with Shekerinska in uh, Krivolak, this army mm -hmm. uh, shooting range. And she looked livid. Uh, through the mask, you could sense that she's like uh, <laughs> about to boil over. <laughs> but at this time, apparently, you know, the, the negotiations with Mialkov, who allegedly had fled to Serbia, through a business partner of his and was sitting there pretty and uh, discussing with Zaev. And we'll know the content of these discussions tomorrow when the sentence comes. Will it be three years, five years, ten years? You know, anything under five years indicates a deal between Mialkov and Zaev. Even the fact that even, even now he's not in detention, he's not in prison. Mm -hmm. He's again in house arrest, which is unheard of to give house arrest to a person who fled the country who fled uh, uh, a house arrest order. <laughs> I mean, that's mm. unheard of. Now, um, and, and his passport yeah. was taken, correct? But apparently he has a Czech passport as well. Akamai. Yeah, yeah, he has a Czech passport. His father, Jordan Mialkov, who is Macedonia's first interior minister. Right. Uh, we need to cover this. He's, he's part of the lore, of the, the family lore for Grievsk as well. I mean, m much of Grievsk's claim to to power in Vimera was due to Jordan Mialkov, mm -hmm. his uncle, because uh, Jordan Mialkov was uh, uh, like a trade representative. These were very powerful people in Yugoslav times mm -hmm. to the Czech Republic uh, for textile. And uh, uh, so these people were, you know, these are the people, the first people who made serious money in the country, like uh, Trifun Kostovsky and the rest. Mm -hmm. So the Mialkovs, they did some business in uh, privately in the Czech Republic, uh, but uh, when he returned, he, he became most notable not by business acumen, he became best known for, uh, he was a f strong supporter of independence of Macedonia, while all the other communist era 
uh, apparatchiks were so scared of the idea, were petrified of uh, saying, uh, you know, openly advocating this. Uh, he was named interior minister uh, in an expert government, the first government reformed through Nikola Klusev, but n n nominated by Vomero. It was uh, an expert government, but it was clear that, you know, half of them were uh, socialists, half of them were Vomero, of the ministers. And uh, he died in late 1991 in a car crash as he was driving from Skopje to Belgrade on official business, like the interior minister going to visit what is still our capital, we're seceding from the capital, mm -hmm. alone, with no escort, mm -hmm. nobody in the car with him, this is the official version, and he uh, flies off the road and uh, hits himself, you know, the chest on the, on the um, uh, wheel, on the steering wheel, but he's apparently still walking around, mm -hmm. uh, people see him, then he's found that, you know, completely, you know, mucked yeah. up story. Nobody believes this. Uh, and this, you know, he's considered like, uh, it's widely considered that he was killed because he was an open Macedonian patriot and pro-independence person while at the time when it was very dangerous to have this position. Right. So, you know, in, in, in tremendously important family uh, and uh, unfortunately, you know, both. Both Jordan and uh, Nikola Gryevsky, unfortunately. Uh, Sasha Mialkov is now really <laughs> putting a huge dent in the in the family resume. It's almost like the Kennedys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> For wow. better and worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, uh, wow. Well, that's, that's an awful lot of history there, Svetin. Uh, it's a good recap for a lot of our listeners that don't know that. Um, and... Uh, I, you know, what it points to is just this continuing, you know, as, as I, I was thinking here, as you were talking about, you know, perhaps the government falling and these smaller parties and then joining with the Vumero, um, maybe some of the Albanian parties and talking about the spoils, mm. which is all true, of course. Um, but it's unfortunate because, you know, we're, this is a conservative podcast uh, in English. Uh, but but first and foremost, we're conservatives and, and we think about things like, you know, small government limited government, rule of law, private property rights, free speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. Um, but again, going back to that first one, I just said small, limited government, which is really a hallmark of conservative thinking. Uh, not that my party here has been very good on that in the past, <laughs> the past four years, actually the yeah. past 20 years, I should say. Um, you know, spending, spending in a, um, in a, uh, pandemic or, or a war is, is understandable and, and you expect government to do big things in term, in times like that. But then when those crises pass, you want the government to to become small again and, and, and just do what the basic functions of what the government's supposed to do. Mm. And and again, you know, as I was as as you were talking, I was thinking, man, when when was the last time Macedonia had a government that really focused on, you know, just doing a few things really really well that it's competent that it's mm. charged with doing uh and and then allowing uh individuals and businesses to use their god-given talents and skills to uh make life better for them and their families in the country and, and 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 all of this which allows for the proper flourishing of society uh you know and mm. and obviously macedonia is not alone in this. All governments struggle with this. All people, all societies struggle with this. Um, but you know, I you know, I think back to 2006 when when Womero, uh took power for the first time, and they were really 
really gung ho about you know you know mm. increasing the size of the economy, bringing in foreign direct investment, yeah. getting rid of regulations, you know, doing things that allow for these things that I've just been talking about here. Uh, maybe not necessarily really small government, uh, as small as we would like, or as small as Grover Norquist would like, which is a very few people listening to this will get that reference, but you will. Um, uh, you know, and I just think, gosh, you know, who who benefits and who gains in all this? I forgot the Latin for who benefits. Um, but anyway, um, you know, who benefits is, you know, the political parties and their people that support them and, and, and their patrons. And who, who loses is the Macedonian people. And I think that's really kind of unfortunate. Um, it is unfortunate. It's not kind of unfortunate. It is unfortunate. And, and that's what... That's what we should be encouraging, you know, Vomero, especially as the center-right party, to really focus on and get back to and, and be talking about. But it just seems, it almost seems hopeless right now. But, um, yeah. but you know, there's always hope. Well, at least we're developing a very healthy and very strong skepticism of anything the government <laughs> does and says, especially in the past several years. So. No, it's not skepticism, it's cynicism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, even there, there are people, you know, it was it was ridiculous. It was complete meltdown. In, even in people who work for the government, they couldn't uh, try to defend uh, what's happening. It was like, oh, come on, we are not going to have to swallow this whole thing. And, and even when he returned, uh, when Mielkov returned in this, uh, <laughs> this really comedic uh, fashion, like uh, a journalist from a pro-government TV station tipped off to wait in front of the office of the prosecutor Ruskovska and mm -hmm. there comes Mialkov looking better than he actually did in a long time like <laughs> pepping his step like hey anybody missed me <laughs> and uh, and the journalist asks him Mr. Mialkov you're in Macedonia like not asking like uh, no noting yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like Jesus <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Zayev tried to make this look like, uh, okay, we, we pressured his family, we twisted his children, his uh, uh, brother, his businesses. And this didn't go off well. I mean, people were noting, even for Mialkov, people were noting, listen, you're not supposed to have a government this big and this serious to, to be able to go after the children of somebody who, you know, they're obviously in, in cahoots with and they're letting him flee and then suddenly, you know, the U.S. embassy or somebody else pressures them to reverse course, to do a 180. I tried even, um, so, you know, uh, everybody's laughing about the fact that he fled and how incompetent the government was looking, but I actually went to Twitter and it was enormously unpopular, given who Mialkov is, given how he practiced power uh, in several cases, nothing as crazy as this, but still. You know, uh, the arrest of Luba Bushkovsky over a million things, but, uh, uh, you know, there was extra cruelty, if you will. You know, he was kept kneeling in a parking lot for several mm. hours before, with cameras on. Uh, but I said, okay, listen, but uh, the actual case for which he's sentenced is uh, bullshit. Just like the, Grif the case for which Gryevsky had to flee the country, Mialkov did not order the wiretapping at this extent, of himself at least. Right. I mean, at least the wiretaps which are being admitted as evidence of himself, of Gruevsky, makes no logic, makes no sense that he would shoot himself in the foot like this. 
and uh, leave it lying around to, to have it taken by, you know, rogue, opposition-minded uh, intelligence officers and given to the uh, SDSM party and then used by the SDSM and the U.S. Embassy to bring down Gruevsky. I mean, this case, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and, and I think it's important that we, we, we mention, because it's, it's gotten lost over the years, is that going back to the so-called colorful revolutionaries and the illegal wiretaps that you mentioned and how all of that was used to bring down the, the previous government, Again, number one, they were illegal wiretaps. According to Macedonian law, it's illegal to do that. Number two, they were then used as evidence, which is not admissible in the court, according to Macedonian law, again. And yet, all these these two major important facts have been overlooked in all of this, is that you got illegal wiretaps, they're illegal, and then they're used as evidence in court. And that should not be uh, admissible, and yet, you know, Everybody has gone along with it, including, uh, well, certainly the government, but the the the, uh, yeah. the, the, the post-Western Western embassies, if, if I may call them that, yeah. uh, certainly went along with it all as well because it suited their purposes, which, of course, was all about changing the name and much else about yeah. Macedonia, about the name yeah. and the identity and, and everything else. As a quick aside, I, you know, I look at the news every morning about Macedonia and I couldn't help but notice this article about um, winemaking in Macedonia, which is an excellent, excellent mm. article. But it starts off, the subheading is, North Macedonia has only officially been on the map since 2019. <laughs> <laughs> but wine has been made in the region for 4,000 years. Uh, that second oh, sentence is true. But, you know, it makes the casual reader, North Macedonia has only officially been on the map since 2019. The, the casual reader thinks, <laughs> new country, new people, new history, new everything. Yeah. Uh, and none of that is true. Uh, but again, the article is yeah. excellent. Um, but but that is w- that is a result of the the um, what the the post Western Western embassies and the government of Macedonia and others said would would be fine. Just a little name change here. Uh, no, yeah. it's infinitely more than that, and it has repercussions that last forever. Uh, yeah. And again, but all that we've been talking about all of this. The circus, this, the wiretaps, the, the, the uh, uh, court cases, all of this stuff has to do ultimately with the name, which is, mm. which is you know, I guess odd when you think about it on the one hand. But, uh, you know, if, if this had never been an issue, would we be even having this conversation right now? I don't know. Maybe it's a moot point. But. Mm. Uh, all right. Well... There's a number of other things we wanted to talk about on this on this podcast, but I think we're going to have to set those aside for next time. You know, like Manu, uh, Bulgaria. We haven't even touched on Bulgaria yet. Uh, although I did notice that the foreign minister made a beeline to Sofia yesterday or the day before mm-hmm. to talk to the, the, his counterpart over there. Um, yep. We'll, we'll we'll save all that for the for the next uh, podcast, including. Uh, the result uh, or of the uh, the sentencing tomorrow, um, but I think we should take a moment and just talk about the fact that we have a new platform for the Macedonian Content Farmers yep. Podcast, Substack, which uh, is I don't know how to call what to call it other than a platform, I guess. Um, but uh, like a blogging site. Blogging site. There we go. Yeah. So they've attracted a number of of um, 
uh, media outlets and independent journalists and others that have gone over to it. It's, it's very user-friendly, easy to use. We've been migrating the podcasts that we've done over there. They'll still be on YouTube and Rumble. We'll still post there because I know we got a lot of subscribers, especially on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. But we want to encourage people to sign up on Substack, and we'll be promoting that, that site as well. Uh, so that you get notifications when the podcasts come out. Uh, there's other things that we might be doing, including some editorials and newsletters. And and uh, it sounds like we're building a media <laughs> media empire here. Uh, and then, of course, merch at some point. Um, but uh, what else? you want to add anything about Substack there? Yeah, it looks like, I mean, we've been really uh, slacking off with putting together a proper website. And yeah. this sort of looks like a website for <laughs> uh, for us, you know, you can have all the podcasts there. It's not a podcast-first platform. Actually, their podcasting section is in beta, in development still. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a nice way to, to use, you know, to share our thoughts, maybe not only in audio format, but also in writing and in uh, animation and uh, song and dance, performative <laughs> dance, <Right. and laughs> spoken word. What was that? Uh, uh, what they did at the inauguration in the U.S.? Oh, yes, right. <laughs> So, <laughs> the poetry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever that was. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, we can uh, definitely. We needed like a website, and uh, we're running away from YouTube. Uh, if you can run away from big tech in this mm. uh, world, uh, but we'll still we have, post. Uh, we'll still put the yeah because we have the subscribers. Yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. But Rumble has been an okay substitute for now, I think, and. Uh, uh, for people who like prefer something easier on the go, Substack is like uh, I think more still more phone friendly and uh, it's only the audio file, not the uh, video file. Right. So I guess a little less bandwidth, to a little less buffering uh, goes into listening to the podcast. So yeah, we're still poking around, and as is everybody. I mean, everybody is uh, running away from one platform to another with what's happening, uh, people being silenced and. Uh, mm shut down left and right so uh no no just right not left good, good. yeah right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so. so you gotta have you can't have all your eggs in the same basket yeah exactly so yeah and as you said because i know we've had a number of, of, of folks have reached out to us on on twitter on the twitters and other uh, uh social mm-hmm. media sites to say they want to be able to listen to the podcast while they're you know walking jogging at the gym driving whatever uh and i think substack will be more suitable for that um as you mentioned that they're, they're, st- they're still in, in the beta i don't even know what you yeah. call that beta form format still no app and still no audio download okay. but uh, the audio is there most of the episodes are, are already up they'll be up by uh, by tomorrow i think we'll, we'll have all of them up yep. so yeah it's a it's a good old-fashioned blogging site which offers other listening but also other other options as well right okay good well, again, we'll be promoting that uh, and, and posting uh, on, on uh, Substack going forward. We'll, we'll uh, make note of that on various social media channels. Uh, again, still posting on YouTube and Rumble, etc. Um, but uh, I've got to get to the office here. It's morning here still. Mm-hmm. It's afternoon, late afternoon there on the um, 25th of February. Um, I think we should remember that uh, tomorrow, February 26th, when this podcast will drop, was is the uh, anniversary of the death of President uh, Boris Trakovsky and eight mm-hmm. of his colleagues. 
And we want to remember that and honor him and uh, the other Macedonians that perished with him. Uh, kind of a sad day for Macedonia. I remember it well. I was there. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll um, we'll talk more about the ongoing circus in town, which seems to be the circus is in town, and it seems to be staying in town now for a while yeah. uh, there in Macedonia. So uh, we'll uh, we'll keep covering it for our listeners and uh, see where it goes. Yeah, hopefully. I'm not sure if we can top this week, but uh, we'll see what, what next week brings. Indeed. All right. Good talking to you, Sven. You too, buddy. Take care. Okay.